Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys. It may seem easy what we do here, but it's not easy. And we love you guys, and we're committed to delivering value. And these day after day, we get no days off. We get no rest, right, Cage? Nope, nope. No rest, no Doc Rivers to put Kawhi on the bench here. Like, no load management, as they like to say, right? Such a funny term. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me start off with a few questions for me, guys. As you know, Fridays are Q&A day. We know this is the last weekend before the holidays, so we understand people are busy. You got a ton of stuff to do, you know, your final shopping. How big, Cage, of an issue is this USPS shipping? Oh, it's awful. And I don't know whether or not Amazon is paying extra to have their stuff delivered, but I seem to be able to, like, order something on Amazon that says it'll be here by December 18th and it gets here. But, like, I have stuff that I've ordered on, uh, you know, eBay, and we're talking two weeks ago, and it just – it's not here. So, I mean, this is a great question. It's a big problem, um, but it allows me to kind of – uh, you know, tell people out there, if you're somebody who bought something on eBay, you're some, somebody who shipped something to somebody, it, this time of year, it's difficult, right? Just, I'll tell you, be patient, be calm, you know, realize that you might not get what you wanted to get, you know, that moment or the day you thought you were going to get it. I hope it all comes. I hope you get everything for Christmas that needs to be there for Christmas. Remember, you can always do e-gift cards, guys. So, you know, you always do that. You always send somebody if you feel last minute kind of thing and they'll understand and they'll know your stuff is coming. Everybody will get it. I, today, I did a, uh, just a quick, just because I have so many things. Like I have stuff that I, I sent out to the wharf, one of our listeners here. I sent it out last Monday. And it hasn't even updated since last Monday. I mean, that's a long time, right? So, Cage, this question's coming from me personally. Yeah, it is stressful. It did. It is stressful, right? To have, because guys, you got to understand, and maybe I'm I'm wrong here, but this is the first year where there's probably tons. There's more cards out than ever out in the mail, and those cards are worth more money than ever. Where oh, yeah. we send each other hundred and two hundred dollar cards. Now we're sending each other, and I know it used to happen before, but I can't imagine it was that prevalent. We're sending each other thousands of dollar cards. That, that's a lot of stress, Cage. Well, listen, if I had one package out there in the mail and it was gone, I'd be more nervous than the fact that I have every package that I've mailed out hasn't been updated. So that's the, that's the key, right? So it's, it's amazing, right? You think, oh, one package, it could be lost. But literally, I have something going to probe steam. I have something going to the wharf. I got stuff going all over the place, and nothing has updated. You know, stuff from yesterday, stuff from Wednesday, stuff from this Monday, stuff from the Monday before. I mean, it just it doesn't matter when you mailed it out. It just it's in Never Never Land. So he, what I'm going to tell you to do, just to kind of, you know, I, I don't know if this will calm you down or make you more angry or more stressed, just type into Twitter. This is the fun way to do it. Type into Twitter, USPS Tracking. Right, and then hit top, and what you'll find is you'll find people who are posting pictures of the, um, like the shipment center. I guess it's like a way station for the USPS in Pennsylvania. So if you're on the East Coast like me, I guess all your mail from like the Northeast goes through Pennsylvania on its way to the rest of the country. And you know what the post office is explaining is that, like, I hope not Philadelphia. I don't think it's Philadelphia, but I have no idea. But but basically, there's um, processing mail imbalance. Yeah, exactly. Well, it doesn't. Yeah, but yeah. the point is, I think there's like forty to fifty percent more mail going out this holiday than in, in seasons past because everybody's shopping online and doing all that stuff. Plus, cards 
taking up a lot of the volume, trust me. And they're just behind. They're behind on everything. And, you know, you can update all you want, but what you're going to get on that USPS tracking page is, um, you know, arriving late and no update. I mean, it just, I guess they don't have the people for it. I guess they don't have the staff for it and they're overwhelmed. So, um, you know, we try to bring you value. Today's value is don't have a heart attack. Realize that you're not the only one out there in this boat. Um, I have multiple, multiple shipments that are just kind of in no man's land. Eventually, they're going to get there. I mean, they got barcodes on them. They got tracking on them. They'll get to where they got to go. On a different angle, what's the card that you got that made you the most happy? One that I got that made me the most happy this year. Whew. I don't – that is a tough, tough question, man. That is a really – is that a question from you or is that a question from, from, from like, a listener? Because that's a good question. I'll give credit. The questions are from me, Cage. The first couple questions are from you. So all the best questions are from me. All the best questions are from you. That's, I mean, that's a crazy, crazy question. Let me think about it. Um, you know, I was able to get that Jerry Rice card. And while it's not the most valuable card in my collection, it's, you know, top. It's definitely in the top. Um, it just shows kind of an evolution in my thought process. Um, you know, an evolution in, in the collection game, right? I, I know I've heard a lot of people use the words consolidation. Um, you know, I have, I've gone from, you know, buying a bunch of cards in raw form, grading them, hanging on to them, you know, selling off some of the nines, hanging on to the tens, waiting for the tens to get, you know, increase in value and then sell them to consolidate into a big piece. So that, that thing is like a culmination of the last let's call it 12 months where, you know, last season, last basketball season, maybe even more than 12 months, I, I was buying, you know, Grams and Trey Young raw prisms, sending them in for grading myself um, and uh, buying. Uh, you got to buy by the ounce, Cage. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. And buying Trey Young silvers for $475, $500. And basically, you know, now leading up to this off season, I, you know, was it was it slacking uh, stacking slabs? Brett McGrath, who said, you know, when you're going to sell, sell and have that grail in mind. And I had that in in my mind when I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell enough, you know, of the PSA tens of the base and the silver of Trey and Devontae and roll it into a um, you know a grail card, and that's what I did. Um, and trust me, I still have plenty of base cards and plenty of PSA ten silvers and and that kind of stuff. Um, but it definitely was nice to kind of you know, look back on my spreadsheets and say that I was able to get a card um, at basically about about 3x of what I invested in the cards that when I bought them raw and the grading. You know what I mean? So it's pretty nice to, do, to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, you feel like you're accomplishing something, you know? You're the GM of the Sixers, Daryl Morey. Oof. Okay. Simmons for James Harden. No. No, I don't. Um, and while Harden is great, um, you know, I think that you can get um, more out of the team than the past, you know, coach GM combo has. Um, I think you lose one of the better defensive players. I think Ben Simmons, by the way, hot take. We haven't done our NBA preview, but we will over the next couple of days. We have to. I think Ben Simmons is going to be in the running for defensive player of the year this year. Okay, I'm going to throw that out there. And I can tell you something that's a guarantee for our NBA preview. James Harden will not be in the running for defensive player of the year. 
And while, you know, you'll say it, and if people who know basketball will say it, that that defense doesn't win championships, it definitely helps you get there. It helps you get to the playoffs. It helps you win games in the regular season. And, you know, it fosters like a team mentality, right? I mean, you know, the Heat was playing good defense last year, and that led into some momentum, some team basketball, and allowed them to really move along into the playoffs and get to the finals. Um, and I think that if, you know, if Maury comes in with kind of like, you know, a system, your favorite word, you know, and these guys buy into it, um, team ball rather than hardened ball, which is the opposite of team ball. Um, I think they might do better with the, you know, with the Embiid Simmons, you know, tandem that they have than bringing in someone like Harden. I mean, what's Harden done? I mean, what what is Harden's team done? So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even even healthy and even in, in shape, what what has Harden done? You know, what have his teams done? They, you know, he scores a lot of points. He has a great step back move. You know, he's one of the most prolific scorers in in you know in NBA history. He takes a lot, a lot of shots. Um, but come playoff time, I don't see much of the way of success. So, no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be trading away a, a younger uh, asset in Ben Simmons for. Vince McMahon comes to you and he says, "Cage." I need you for the next WWE SmackDown. What's the name of your character? Ooh, okay. So I got it. I but I'm gonna. I got a guy. I got a guy Vito who works for me. And if he says no, then I'm bringing my brother. Right, my brother is six foot seven, and he is. I'm, I haven't give credit to my dad for this idea. So I love this question, and this is. I can't believe I'm gonna give this away for free, but I'm gonna do it because I love Luka Nation. I love Luka Nation. But I have, I have the best idea. My father had the best idea for wrestling. So my brother and I are going, we're going to go into SmackDown. And I'm small compared to my little brother, 6'7", like 335 pounds, something like that, right? So, so we are Russ. going. Where Thanks my brother? Shout out, Russ. Holy listener. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, man, he likes to listen, so he'll he'll hear this. And so, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have we're gonna have two or two or three, um, you know, lovely ladies of, of wrestling are gonna be dressed up in their nautical outfits, and they're gonna be they're gonna be wheeling a humongous tank of water down to the ring, a huge movable tank of water. And my brother and I are gonna be dressed in black and white outfits with dorsal fins, and we are gonna be the killer whales, and they're gonna be throwing fish at us. But the gimmick here, as we get down to the ring and we get down there and we get out of the, the big tub of water and we get into the ring is our matches. We have to beat our opponents within like two minutes because we can't stay out of water that long. So we got to get back into our water tank and be wheeled backstage to kill whales. So, yes, Vince McMahon, you call me up anytime and me and my brother are going to come out. We're going to kill the whales. We're going to have a, we got the whole gimmick for you. People will be throwing fish into the crowd it's gonna be a good time so yeah that one's i gotta give credit to big bill my dad that was his idea he was a fat guy and he had one other fat friend and the two of them were gonna be the killer whales it was right around the time in the 80s when uh when uh earthquake and typhoon were uh were a tag team i don't know if you know some real wrestling fans out there will remember earthquake and typhoon and uh you know they were like the storm tag team and then we're like all right the killer whales against the earthquake and typhoon would be a lot of fun so there you go you ask you get an answer you never cease to amaze me brother <laughs> last question yep the hornets win total this season Ooh, ooh. so um i think they win 36 games and are on the outside looking in potentially of that play-in for the uh for the tournament you know, to get into that last playoff spot. 36 and 36. 
Yeah, I think that they they're 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 potentially a 500 team. Yeah, potentially because they're playing 72 games this year, so I think they have 36 wins, maybe 35 wins, something like that. I don't think that they've taken. I mean, the ball is good, he looks good, and the team looks good. I don't think that they've taken enough of a, a leap forward. I think the East has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were they had some momentum. The Hornets at the end of last year, they had some good young players. Where they are going to really suffer is in the uh, in the rebounding game. They just don't have any real size. Seven and thirty-five. Okay, see, so that's close. So right around the same. Yamwax asks, with coming to America, getting a sequel, what would you like rebooted from your younger collecting? Oh, so so oh, rebooted from collecting? Yeah, I thought you were gonna go movies. So first, let me take this a bunch of ways. I Number think one, from your younger movie days. No, he said collecting days. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go. I'll go all three ways. Getting a sequel. What would you like rebooted from your younger collecting? collecting days so i'm gonna do three things here with yam number one if you have not checked out yam wax's page he posted a really awesome what would you call it, like a meme today it's like a little toy firefighter climbing the collecting ladder and all the things that are powering the collecting ladder i'm a little upset that we didn't get a specific battery spot some of the other podcasts out there did we were mentioned in it at the end in like the bigger you know panorama of of things that help collectors in the hobby today. It's a really cool little video that he put together. So yeah, a little shout out to you. That was a cool little piece of hobby content. Made me smile today. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, check out Yam's page and uh, and take a look at that one. Give it a like. And um, so so as far as um, just shut the door. You could stay here, buddy. Buddy, you can come back. Just shut the door, okay? Not Sorry. only can you come back. Ian is a—he's—he's he's a celebrity. People are asking about him. They're like, "When's Ian going to do another guest appearance?" You know, he's got his little. Ian. Who's Ian's favorite player this week? Ian's got his tour jersey on. He's got these Mandalorian the child socks on. He's rocking out here. You know, he—he he asked me whether or not he gets, uh, you know, more presents. You know, I—I I don't care. I'll celebrate Kwanzaa. As long as give me an excuse to give him presents to the kid. We got Christmas. I think it was Hanukkah, right? And he was like, tonight could be the ninth night of Hanukkah, which is fine. We'll open some cards with him. Can I got I a box ask, of... Uh, you in a question? You want to ask Ian a question? Here you go. Go ahead. Yeah, Ian? I'm finish your question soon, though. Yeah, soon. Go ahead. Ian, what, did you, what was your favorite activity during snow day? Uh, definitely throwing snowballs at my sister. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> did that. He definitely did that. So yeah, so the, yeah. Uh, the reboots, right? So so the reboots. Um, I think coming to America reboot is amazing. I I actually am really excited for uh for that to come out. That was one of the funniest movies. Um, I think they should reboot um some a couple of sitcoms that I like. Different Strokes was a great one. I don't know if they get away with it. Three's Company was a great one. They should really. I'd love it if they they read to that. I'm looking forward to that He Man movie that's going to come out now. Uh, you know, the Massive Universe. They they seem to always reboot that. Um, with 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 uh, things like Pokemon and that stuff coming back, they did a horrible job of the Street Fighter movie. John Claude Van Damme was in it. I'd love it if they rebooted that. You know, it's like a video game. Everybody's into video games now. They should reboot the Street Fighter movies. Um, as far as collecting, if there was something to reboot, this is an easy answer for me, Yam. If I were in Tops or Panini or whatever it is, and you guys, if you don't know this, I'm going to start buying these. Not because I think they're going to go off, just because I thought they were the coolest thing in the world. There was a card called Sport Flicks in the 80s, right? Sport Flicks. Take a look at it if you, if you haven't seen it. It was ahead of its time. It was a cool, like, ridged card. So, like, you can run your finger on it and go, it would make, like, noise, like a zipper. Um, but it was a card that if you held in certain directions, the card, made, it, it showed a different angle of the player. So, like, he was, it was either, like, Ken Griffey swinging, 
So like the card was like straight on. It would show him like with with his bat in, in, in you know being held before the swing. And then as you as you move the card in one direction, it would show him like swinging the bat. Um, so it was a really cool like thing, especially in the eighties. That was like high technology. It was almost like a three D card. Um, but I'm sure it cost a lot, and it never really hit home. It was always like one of these like fringe cards that nobody cared about. But when I was a kid, that was the coolest thing. Like I loved that sports flicks card. So if I if I could if I could come up with something now, I'd make like a low end, you know, like not not expensive, you know, something for kids. I'm sure the technology is out, and I'm gonna make a really cool. It doesn't have to be like holographic or anything. But take a look on eBay. Just you know, I think you could probably get them real cheap. I know there are Griffey ones. Um, Take a look at Sportflex cards. If I could reboot something from my hobby past, that would be it. And um, if Tops ever got basketball back, or if if you know if Panini was able to do this, I would love the Beam Team insert brought back. That was one of my favorite things to collect as a teenager. Um, I love that Shaq Beam Team, the Jordan Beam Team. You know, um, even the second year it was uh, rookies of like Chris Webber and, and Penny Hardaway and stuff. I love those Beam Team cards. That was like my favorite insert. As, you know, when I was collecting as a teenager. So there's some hobby reboots. Adam McNanny asks, "What do you enjoy more, finding and buying those grails, or hitting big on a prospect?" Mm. So I I want a little bit of both. I think what I find the most enjoyment of is is um, you know, well-rounded in the hobby. I love hitting on a prospect because, you know, that is um, that's something not everybody does. You know what I mean? If you're doing your research and your research pays off and you, you find somebody that you want to invest in, um, you know, I, you feel kind of smart. You feel like you found that diamond in the rough. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, locating and searching for a grail card and then ultimately finding it, that's, that's cool too. That's like the hunt of the hobby. You know what I mean? That's a little more persistence, less, um, you know, less knowledge base. But, you know, like I like, find, I don't want to call it a prospect, but like, for example, I'm going to throw out there for you guys. This might be a question that could ask, so it is what it is. But like I was watching the, the Hornets game last night and they were playing against Orlando. And, um, it was a preseason game, so you can't put too much stock in it. But on the Orlando team, one of the starting five is someone who was on the Hornets. And obviously, he'll get ramped up for the game a little bit because it's his old team. But I remember last year, the Hornets sent this guy down to, like, the G League. And he was in the G League for a week or two. And he scored, like, 50 points in a G League game, You know, which, which means this guy could score. I don't care if it was G League, you name it. But for some reason, because it's the Hornets, you know, I, I started thinking, like, Ryan Tannehill. Like, he was stuck in Miami. Right. And, but when he goes over to, to Tennessee, he was given an opportunity to play on a good team and he was given, you know, the ability to like show off that he could be a lot better than what he was on a crappy team. The player I'm talking about, um, his name was Dwayne Bacon. I don't know if anybody remembers this guy, but he's, you know, he's a rookie in 2017. What's up? Florida State guy. Yeah, Florida State guy. And he looked really good. And he, Orlando is not that good of a team. And they have some players. This kid, Cole Anthony, is going to be a good rookie this year. And, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, if he could stay healthy, is a good player. But I think Bacon is going to get a chance to actually play meaningful minutes. And people are going to actually know what his name is. He didn't have anything in in, Char- in Charlotte. Uh, you know, he played with the Hornets. Um, so prospect-wise, I'd love to go on, you know, Starstock and find the couple dollar cards, you know, whether it's his op- optic uh, red yellows, you know, those cheapy cheap, you know, uh, parallels for a couple bucks each and buy up every one of them or, you know, his optic base cards for three, $4 or whatever it may be. Go on star stock, buy every one of them, go on eBay, buy every one of them. And then when he, he you know, he starts the season as the starting guard or small forward, I think you might be. Um, and he, he drops, you know, a 25 point game and everyone's like, Whoa, 
this guy was on the G League last year. Look at this guy. He's actually getting run in Orlando, and I've already bought his cards. I feel smart. You know what I mean? I definitely do. I, I, I do like that feeling. So, um, you know, I will be buying some Dwayne Bacon and some other guys too. <laughs> when I brought you guys the Tyler Hero play time and time and time again, yep. and I got messages weeks later that that made you guys money, that yep. to me is the most rewarding feeling there is because – I know I did the research. I put in the work. This wasn't a guest. This wasn't me like just taking a shot at the, in the dark. This was someone I did a ton of research on, being able to put the effort in, be right, and then actually make other people money. So rewarding, Cage. Uh, we'll okay. get we 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 read off. our messages. We we read our messages. I mean, we do. When when people send us messages, we read our messages. So somebody today. Um, Card fan 0803, Chris, newest member of our of our Lucas, Tigers, and Browns, uh, or my Instagram group. He messaged me, just listened to a couple of your episodes for the first time. So that's this morning. New listener. I don't know if he came on because we had on, um, you know, slab stocks. I don't know whether he came on because of, you know, our guest from last week. He came on because he found us. Who knows? says, I love the play. I'm picking that, five. I heard that when we get to uh, 10,000 followers, you're going to do the truffle shuffle. Forever. Oh, I will. I'll do it. She says, I love the play on picking five to six guys in lottery tickets before the season. So much easier than trying to pick the exact one guy that's going to blow up. It's like betting across the board on a horse race. Awesome insight. I enjoy your suggestions and thoughts. It's refreshing to hear some more attainable picks. A lot of content out there focuses so much on high-end stuff. We read these things. And, uh, and actually add a little bit of a twist, uh, not a twist, the layer on top of that. Yeah. Amazing thing about cards, which we talked about this a little bit, and we're going to be releasing our star stock episode with the CEO, Scott, on Monday. But the big difference between betting on horse racing and cards, even though 99% is similar, is that at the end of the race, all of the t- bets go to zero. As opposed to these, one or two of the bets go 10x, and the other bets you might be able to sell off for the exact amount you bought them. Right. Huge difference. Or a tiny, or a tiny loss or a tiny win. You know what I mean? It, there's no, it's not an all or nothing thing. Right. He said, so. Scott said a really good line. It's not a zero sum game. So, and we'll bring you guys that episode uh, just a few days here. Keep well, going. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Ask away. What else you got? Well, <laughs> if MBT sports card investor, if nationals happen next to Chicago, you plan on attending. And if so, first drink is on him or her. You know what? We'll put a poll out there. I've never been to the National. I was planning on going this past year when I was in Atlantic City because we're in the Northeast. You know, I'm in I'm in New York. It's just, you know, I do have a job, guys. <laughs> you know? Um, so, um, you have a job? Take, you take, a big deal. You doesn't have a can, job. <laughs> Don't pick take, take, like nine to five, like, office space. Like, this guy gets roped into the city to like, close deals. So yeah, like, hey, well, the big man in. I know everyone <laughs> works from home, but we need you in the office. Well, we need you to take care of this. Yeah, pretty much. But I would tell you, I mean, I love the idea of sitting down and having a drink with you. And that alone, just hearing, you know, first drinks on you is enough for me to say, sure. I mean, why not? Oh, no, that's, um, not me. that's not on me. Don't get that confused. I'm not no. buying a drink. Oh, NBT, right? That's good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah, I don't no. want any, I don't want false expectations. Listen, man, I would not let you buy me a drink. You'd probably spike it and make me do stupid shit. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let I'm not taking anything you're trying to pull on me. But no, I mean listen, I would tell you I would love nothing more than to go to the national and 
not sell a card, not buy a card, but instead sit down and have a drink with every one of our, what is it, 3,800 followers that we're up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to get that one up higher, guys. So maybe we'll make a push to 4,000 by the end of the year if we, you know, if we, uh, <laughs> if we get your help. But yeah, I mean, that's the culmination of this, this stuff, right? I mean, I've never been to the National. I've heard it's, uh, you know, a show like no other. Um, I've been to the East Coast National in White Plains, but I'm sure that's, you know, a little different. But I expect that when, when, when a show like that happens after this COVID, after the shutdown, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be deals galore. It's going to be more content people, more you know, hobby contributors out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, to answer my question, especially if you're out there buying me a drink, sure, I'd love to. I'd love to sit down and we'll uh, uh, let's mark this down now. If we go, we have to find NBT. We got to find NBT. I'm confident he'll find us. I'm, I'm, I'd say ninety percent <laughs> sure we're going to have a table in Nashville this year if it happens. Oh yeah! All right, I like it. Okay, Mr. Tanktop, Sammy. What's up, Sammy? What basketball player do you think is going to blow up this year and your 2021 championship prediction? Oh, okay. My championship prediction is a cop-out. I think the Lakers are going to win. I hate I hate it. I don't love LeBron. You guys know this. Um, but, you know, when the champion gets better and no other team has really taken a huge step forward to kind of close the gap um, – you know, that it makes it difficult. I would like to say that the Lakers have no rest now and that that's going to be difficult for them to come back and that LeBron and, and the rest of those guys are going to, uh, you know, have a hard time coming back. But remember, no one had a rest. The only teams that haven't played in nine months were the teams that were horrible last year, right? So it's not like any of those teams have a huge advantage. Um, and the fringe teams, they're just, they're not enough to catch up. And, you know, what's unfair about it, you know, if you want to throw it out there is, between LeBron and Anthony Davis, I mean, you can make an argument that that's the two best players in the league on the same team. You know, when you have that, it's difficult. I'd like to say maybe Golden State would have given him a run, but no clay makes that very difficult. Um, you know, the Clippers haven't gotten better, I don't think. Uh, the only team I could see potentially with their new makeup and, you know, actually making moves, um, you know, potentially dethroning them, it would be Giannis and the Bucks Because I think that's I think that's who they play in the finals. And, you know, Giannis would have to have one of those otherworldly type of series to win. But he's definitely capable of it. But, yeah, I mean, cop-out pick, I think, I think you know, if, you, if you're, you're nailing me down now and saying who's going to win the finals, it's going to be LeBron and the Lakers again. Um, which, you know, it's cool. So what player is going to blow up this year? Um, the, they don't like to give, like, most improved to a second-year player, allegedly, Right. Um, but I think that's going to start to change. You know, that was the whole talk this past year. You know, second-year players don't do it. I believe the player who's going to blow up this year is going to be somebody who averages over 20 points and close to, if not 10 assists. I think John Morant's going to have a crazy year this year. I really do. Um, You know, I don't know that he's going to be an all-time great. I don't know that his frame and style of play lends to being an all-time great. You know, I don't know whether there's going to be longevity there. But um, this year, I think he's going to be fantastic. There's not anyone on this team that is a huge offensive, you know, weapon that's going to take you know minutes away from him. Uh, you watch him play like he played last night against Trey, and you know, for what everyone's expecting Trey to be, if I had to pick one of those two guys last night, 
Ja always seems to make Trey look bad. <laughs> he always he always seems to put him on roller skates. He always seems to get the better of him and eat him eat his lunch. That doesn't happen against everyone. And obviously Trey's a great player. He's gonna have a great year himself. But um, for all the Zion talk and for all the you know Lamelo ball talk and whatnot, John ja Morant is the reigning rookie of the year, and I believe he's gonna also be in the running for most of a player, which is, you know, tough to do when you were already the rookie of the year last year. But I expect 20.10 assists sort of numbers out of him. I'll tell you, I think there's going to be one rookie, maybe two, but I'm going to go one. And I think LaMelo Ball is going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the rookie class. Perhaps not in overall what you want from a basketball player, X's and O's, but he's going to be so exciting. And I think – I think he's going to average very close to a triple-double this year. Wow. I don't know that they are planning on starting him right out of the gate, and that's probably going to be some of the reason why his numbers won't be as high as you would think they are. I don't think he's in the starting lineup right out of the the gate, which is weird because you might as well just, you know, see what you have out of him, right? Um, So... But, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I've watched a bunch of these preseason games. You know, I have the NBA package. Um, and, obviously, it's fresh in my mind because they played against the Hornets last night. But this kid, Cole Anthony, actually looks really good on Orlando. Um, but my my pick for Rookie of the Year, if you're asking me who it's going to be, Obi Toppin is going to win the Rookie of the Year. That's what I'm telling you. Obi Toppin's going to win the Rookie of the Year. He was the best player in college basketball last year, overall, yeah, in the country. Pretty poor year for college basketball. Pretty poor year, but he and he's a little older. He's on a team where there are no real other offensive threats. And you know, don't tell me R.J. Barrett because he's not going to you know, get in anyone's way. And Toppin plays the, that highlight style of ball above the rim. And I think he's going to have some really good numbers this year. So He also has some really good post moves too. But he, yeah, but he can't play defense for shit. But you, you, yeah, but you expect the rookies to stink on defense. So. I think you might be right. I think for the hobby, LaMelo is going to be – more appreciative or more renowned in the hobby, I think Obi will be slightly better. Okay, from hey, Drake. If a uh, Drake Sports PC, if a card you're looking to buy hits a peak, what factors should you consider to determine if that peak is a new floor before it rises to its next peak, or if that peak is the true ceiling and the card will likely retreat before establishing a new floor? I'll tell you, Drake, just real quick, there's a great quote by Warren Buffett that says, one of the worst reasons to buy a stock is because it's going up. You could do with that quote what you want, but that is a Warren Buffett quote. Cage, do you understand the question? Yeah. I'm not sure about the the Buffett quote in there, right? So what you're saying, I guess, is don't buy a card just because it's got some upward momentum, which I get. And just being the keyword. Yeah, so I mean, listen, buy a card on upward momentum, but don't buy a card just because you're seeing upward momentum. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that, right? So one of the other things we talked about, we've talked about with our last couple of guests, right? We talked about it with slab stock. We talked about it, you know, and well, it's, it's one of those one of those economics. You things, guys right? gotta understand, and I wish you could see the visual. We work, believe it or not, like everyone. I wonder if everyone thinks what we do is so easy. I really do. I wonder. You know, they hear Andrews in Mexico cages. <laughs> We work around the clock and we care a lot about you guys, but believe it or not, we have lives too. And Cage just got an Uber Eats delivery. And we might have to turn this into a kombucha with Andrew and Cage is asking me questions because he, he's so excited. I, I'll tell you guys, you're not going to believe what about this Uber Eats bag. <laughs> this is good stuff right here. It's for the kids. We got Happy Meals. 
All right, guys, come up and get your dinner. Um, yeah, so so listen, here's the, the, the fun on that, right? So I love it. I, I love the question. And you're right, you can't buy just because it's going up. But that is one indicator, right? I mean, usually there's, there's a reason for it going up. And our last couple of guests kind of hit on an important thing, and it's demand. Try to find where the demand is for these cards, right? Try to find because he added a little bit of a yeah, please because he said not really base cards. So he's right. thinking of a card like the Bumblebee Dwayne Johnson PSA ten that just sold. Yep. How yep. can you be ahead of the curve when it comes to demand? Mm-hmm. Well, so a bunch of a bunch of things, right? So it doesn't surprise me that that. Dwayne Johnson card sold for where it is because there's a lot of chatter about it. If you pay attention to our hobby, um, you know, it's a wrestling card. If you pay attention to like uh, 1982 All-Stars, David Peck's account on Twitter or on Instagram, you see he's talking about that card. He's been talking about it all year. Talking about other cards, the 85 wrestling cards. You know, he was our first guest. If you, if you, uh, you know, if you paid attention to that episode, that was a card that he mentioned as a bargain. Those cards are like 10x since we've had him on our show. Same thing with Bro Namath. Right, talked about uh, comic books, Dragon Ball Z cards, um, you know, Japanese Pokemon cards. All these things have gone up. Um, there's enough content out there, enough people out there, you know, who who are in the know, understand the stuff, are grading it, see the grading, where you can kind of see where the demand is, where it's going. Um, and there are so many great, um, you know, tools that are coming into the market now. Not just like eBay sales, where you can check like how many cars of a certain thing are selling and see the trends. You know, Starstock has it, the Top Thirty, the Index, um, Card Ladder has it. I mean, all these all these indicators out there—they're all telling you what's moving. So if you spend enough time and you do enough research on it, you can see what's moving. But um, yeah, I mean, so to answer the question, his question of. Uh, you know, floors and ceilings. How do you know whether it's a floor, whether it's a ceiling? Um, listen, you have to treat these things almost like you're graphing them out, right? You have to look at what's going on on, on these cards, see where it's gone, see how long it's been there, see whether or not it's got a historical trend of peaking valleys, um, how many cards have come, uh, the sales on it. So like if you see a card going up and then you see it kind of plateau maybe even take a small step down during that plateau and that small step down. I want you to look at the completed sales, go to 130 point, go to eBay, you know, transactions and see whether or not during that plateau and that small step down, if there were more cards sold than there were on that way up, I'll bet you there are usually. All right. If they're not, that's going to tell me that you probably hit a ceiling. If there's more cards being sold during that, during that plateau and that small dip than there were on the way up. then what that's showing me is that people were, were, seeing the spike in price and now supply came out to meet the demand right so as the card was going up use this as like the jordan card if you want it just because it's a great you know the 86 foot jordan right you know when the card was 80 or a hundred thousand dollars once it hit that that hundred sixteen thousand dollar number this year when there weren't that many of them on the way up all of a sudden at 116 120 100 and whatever it was a bunch of them came out of the woodwork. A bunch of them came out of people's collections. People sold them out of their PWCC vault. And the next thing you know, the card kind of plateaued in price and or maybe it took a little bit of a dip down because there were now more of them available. There were a bunch of sales. Then you notice for the last couple of months, go take a look and see how many of them sold at auction. None. They're just not out there because the supply was eaten up 
at the new price point that was now setting a new floor. And now these things come out and there's a couple of them that, that pop out for auction. And all of a sudden you see one, they, they see it sell for 180, then, you know, 150, then 180, now $211,000. Um, but now there's a couple of them out there. I see a couple of them pop up on eBay, you know, buy it now for $249,000. I see golden auctions listed another short auction as one on PWCC. So it wouldn't surprise me if that thing took a five or a 10 or $15,000 drop back down or plateaued at that 200 number. But then as we go into the next quarter, maybe you don't see as many for sale. Maybe the ones on eBay get eaten up. And if the next one goes to 225 or 240, it wouldn't surprise me. You have to see, you know, you have to extrapolate the supply that's out there against those price movements. So I'll, go, I'll give you guys a strategy. This is one that I should be selling and offering as a consulting. <laughs> nice. Feel, feel free to use it anytime. If you guys have one, two, three, any holy grails, any cards that are considered holy grails, Create an eBay account, or hopefully you have an eBay account that has some reputation. List those cards. List those cards extremely high with best offer prices. What's going to start happening is if you have unique cards with really good photos, people, new people with money in the hobby are going to start reaching out to you and inquiring about those cards. Form conversations, form relationships with those people, and start asking them and getting curious about what those people are buying. Because more than likely... That person that wants to buy your PSA 3 um, Mickey Mantle card or your PSA 8 Jackie Robinson card, they might also be buying a Michael Jordan PSA 9, a card that was on the floor or ceiling earlier. Um, and you're going to be able to have a pulse on the market way before others. Cage, you ready to keep rocking? Yeah, man, I like it. And not only is it somebody who might be interested in, in buying stuff from you, but it might be somebody who has access to other cards themselves, or maybe somebody is looking to sell something that's not readily available on on the uh, on the market, not on eBay. Um, I can tell you that happened with me. Somebody reached out to me. I had I had a couple of you know high end cards on eBay, and they reached out to me about buying the card, and we came up we came up to it you know a deal on the card, and we we continued to talk. And I wound up selling him a bunch of other cards and then talking to him about what kind of cards I want. And he said, hey, you know what? I think I know two or three people who have one of those cards. Let me see if I can get it for you. And he managed to broker a deal for me for one of the cards that I wanted. So he went from someone I was selling to to someone I was buying from. Um, okay, honest with you? Yeah, yeah please. I think that the most valuable part of that relationship was actually the information that was exchanged. 100%. 100%. That's really what I'm saying. And eBay, as much as it has all its issues, really serves as a digital museum. And it could help you form relationships with really interesting people, especially now when the hobby's hot. So I hope that's a piece of advice. I don't think a lot of people are going to use it. Uh, and that's what I've realized. The more advice or more suggestions or ideas we give, there's really one, two, three, or four people listening that actually use it. Most <laughs> people start tuning into us for pure entertainment. And I love that. That's flattering. But I also love the people that actually apply and come back to us with stories about how it worked or didn't. So, guys, if you haven't figured this out yet, Andrew likes to hear that what he's told you, you actually act on it and make some money for yourself and then tell him about it. It makes him feel good. So if that's happened, if you've used one of his plays, if you, I'll tell you, Andrew, thank you very much. When I purchased um, or early in this year, I purchased eight um, – Tyler Hero base cards for $20 each, eight of them. 
on your play. It was probably the 11th time you recommended Tyler Hero, and I was just so tired of hearing it that I decided I would buy it. No, I think it was the second or third time. getting hate mail? Yeah, I was. I was getting Is he going to do Tyler Hero every single play? He can't give Tyler Hero every every episode. I was getting those messages. Um, But no, so I bought those. I bought eight of them. And I paid $20 each. Then I paid $30 per card to grade them. So I was into them for $50 each. So a total of $400. Five of them got PSA 10. And I've sold all five of those already leading up into the preseason for approximately $1,300. So it was a nice, nice little deal. Uh, Ian's got a nine. Um, you know, I got a couple of other ones. One of them got a five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the hell that happened. So I cracked that out and sent it back in. I'll let you know what happens with that five. Uh, that's that's back at PSA, um, but yeah, and I mean, I apologize for it because I'm I am competitive and my closest friends know that and, and I like to win and I like to win with people, uh, and I, I care a lot. Like I don't just come on here, you know, for the attention. I come on here because I, I genuinely want to help people. So it's nice to hear when it actually works. Listen, that was a quick thousand dollars, easy hit. I went on eBay, bought eight of them for twenty dollars each, um, and then you know, just graded them and. You know, the five that came back tens, they sold real quick, nice and easy, quick money. So thank you. Now, now, just so you guys know, now they're even higher. And the silver Prism PSA 10, which was a $350, $350 card in August, is now $1,600. Wow. Uh, tell me what other card you know that's gone up 4X. Uh, I'll, I'll, hold, I'll wait. Okay, Plant Street Collectibles. Cage, what's your predictions on how Hoops premium stock will be compared to Prism? Optic, Mosaic, Chronicles, or other basketball sets. Do you see this being a sought-after or forgotten release? So I had high hopes for it, right? And I like it. It's a cool-looking card, but it's, it's confusing. Um, and originally it came out, there was this, this uh, factory set that came out, which had like a Pulsar uh, exclusive. The cards were Pulsar, and then they had like colored Pulsar cards in there. They weren't numbered, but they were colored Pulsar and now there's this uh, hybrid hobby box that comes out. They're almost like a shock kind of uh, card. They're not Pulsar. They're different. Um, and I mean, I didn't realize when I bought these boxes. I got a box for $200. And I thought it was a full hobby box. It was like, you know, 16 packs or whatever comes in a hobby box, 12 packs. It's four packs. It's almost like a blaster. It's $200. Um, I don't know whether or not the hobby holds value on those. Um, but they're, they're, you know, there's these rookie variations that have kind of like a wave through them. Um, and then there's other premium, there's other sets that have like the number out of 149. Um, so it's a, it's a confusing release. I personally think they look awesome. Um, I think they're cool for collecting. Um, you know, Hoops is weird though. You know, they have these variations and the population's odd. Like, you know, those winter edition ones that they have previously, you know, I mean, those don't really seem to have, you know, huge value in the, in the I think they're cool cards. Uh, but they don't seem to have, you know, a huge value. I'm hopeful that the premium stock has value. You know, so some of the things like, you know, the, the, the Dunris clear ones, they seem to have value. Um, to me, it's a smart way for Panini to stretch out this 1920 draft class because obviously everybody loves the, the players who are in it. Um, I opened up a hobby box yesterday with, with Ian and we got a Zion, just a Zion base. Um, you know, it wasn't numbered or anything like that, but I'm sure that that, you know, when it goes in and gets graded, we'll take care of the box price and then some. So, you know, I'll probably get it back in 2023. Ripped Zion or Fat Zion? It's Fat Zion. 
he's fat. He's fat in the picture. But it's not the it's not the the tribute one. It's just the regular card, which is kind of cool. Um, we got a we got a Giannis silver of the premium stock. There's two silvers in a box. So we got a Giannis silver, a Zion, and there was something else in the box which was pretty cool. I forget exactly what it was, but let um, me ask you one thing on yep. So Rick asks, how will the math and timing work uh, when it comes to NBA hoops and Dunrest? You can't drop twenty five bucks to grade most of these rookie cards when you get them back in four t- in four months. And is it worth it to gamble and pay fifteen bucks, which is talking about the value one, and get it back next season, especially when PSA grades hoops and Dunrest so harsh? So I have a feeling that the hoops and the Dunrest. Um, for both your clear and your premium stock are not going to be graded the same way that the other papery hoops and Dunrest grades are. I think that the grades you're used to for those hoops and Dunrest cards are going to be, they're going to get better grades. These are the, the stock on them is more prismy. It's like an optic card. Um, you know, you have to worry about scratches and print lines and that kind of stuff. But um, I think you're going to get a lot more tens in these. And really, Andrew, that the answer to your question comes back to the, the advice you gave a while ago. And it really depends on the card, right? It depends on what you expect to get back. But, but um, you know, I do believe that if you sent it in, hey, Luca Nation does a twenty day sub, that's thirty bucks. That Zion goes into that that twenty day sub. I'll get it back this year. I hope. Uh, maybe I get it back at the end as you know they run to the playoffs. But I mean, they're supposed to be playing games until when? May, and then the playoffs made in July. Right, so they're supposed to be regular season games till I think May twenty second or something like that. So, I mean, that's, that's six months. You know, let me ask you on that. This is one more question I had. I th- thank you for five months. And it's five a theory months. question. I truthfully think that what PSA does is their main business is population control and not grading. And grading falls under what it means to create a market and have population control. So I think. And I've spoken across the board with a ton of people. I've spoken with UK. I've spoken with my guy who cleans my cards and helps me sub them. I just don't think PSA is grading any cards and keeping population down before next year. And I think they're in the business of pop control. Do you agree with that? No. Okay. Let's go no. back. Because they haven't graded anything or moved any of my cards, any of my friends' cards, anything in the last four weeks. Because I think there's a backlog of cards. I do. I really think they are that backlog. And from what I heard um, was this month, they just hired 92 more people to throw at the grading, right? So I, I do believe – I get what you're saying, right? And I get that there's population control arguments, and I get that there's – but what do they gain from, as a company, not grading the cards? They're not getting paid. They're not making money. So they're – How? Because it's in a, it's in their accounts receivable, and they know that they have more in collateral than they're owed, so they actually already have the money. They don't have the money, and they should be, and and they could be booking more next quarter if they get those things off the books. To just say their population control that they're just they're just going to hang on to it and, and save it for, for till the next quarter, then they're not booking any money this quarter. Yeah, yeah sure. But, it's but if they release the cards, they're they're going the card prices are going to plummet. I don't th- I th- I don't think that's true. So I mean, there's there's a different there's a different side to it, right? And I also think, by the way, some of that pricing is already built in. Everybody knows what's out there to be graded, right? And everybody saw the Mbappe, you know, uh, once the population on those Mbappe so prisms came out, and everybody who had them in grading, look what happened with the prices. So I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, anybody who thinks that 
that Zion's pop is not going to explode soon or Luca's or Trey's or any of these pops are not going to explode soon is kidding themselves. I mean, people have to know that, that there are literally thousands of those cards sitting at PSA waiting to be graded and they will come out. And it happens every day though. You know, it happens every day. Many. That's the thing. They don't know if they're like, there's 15,000 PSA tens of Luca, Trey and Zion. They don't know if there's 15,000 more in grading. Imagine if already 8,000 of those have been graded and they just flood the market with them. That Zion, yep. which is 700 bucks, turns into a $400 card because people are just taking profit yep. overnight. And that, that causes a panic. For PSA? For the market, and PSA relies on the market. No, I mean, I agree with you to an extent. I think PSA is so ingrained in it now that if that Zion, let's just say a Zion card goes from 1,000 to 400, but they're able to clear their backlog and able to grade more cards, but they'll they'll then be able to open up a value sub or some other way of doing it that they got rid of that allows them to send more cards in on the cheaper stuff, you know, allows them to grade more. I mean, I think they're just kind of going with the market. I don't think that they are. I, I think any manipulation of the market that they're doing, I think, is probably unintentional. I think they're so jammed up and so backed up and so unprepared for just the glut of cards that have been sent to them that that's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Now, keep in mind, they're almost a monopoly. And the other two card companies had an opportunity to kind of really make roads on them, but they just fell victim to the same shit that PSA did. They didn't, you know, throw money at it. And I mean, BGS and SGC had such a great opportunity this year. I mean, there are so many people sitting out there who say, I don't want to wait 12 months, 12 weeks just to have my cards logged in. I'm in the same boat, man. I mean, I had a personal sub that I sent in in August that PSA claims arrived on 916, right? So they logged in in my account, arrived by USPS on 916. On Wednesday, 12-16, it finally started the clock on it. That's a full three months later. From 9-16 to 12-16, they're finally going to start the clock on my value sub. That's ridiculous. You know, that's that's a thing that's supposed to be 100. When I sent it in, 100 business days, right? 100, 100 business days up. Well, they just spent 90 days pretending that they didn't have it. <laughs> that's start, absurd. Start one, bench one, cut one. Ebay, yes, PSA. Wow. Start one, bench one, cut one. I could use different terms, but there's kids listening, so I don't want to. Yeah, I know, right? Definitely. So I'm going to start PSA because even with all their warts, I still believe in PSA magic. Um, You know, I still believe that they, uh, you know, that they still generate so much good stuff for your valuations that. It's just it's just something the hobby you cannot do without, right? Um, benching. I'm benching the USPS. And you bench somebody because you think they're on a slump, but they're going to turn it around. So I'm benching the USPS because I just think a lot of this is holiday slump. Um, I think a lot of this is, you know, um, they're just inundated now with Christmas and all that other stuff. And I think January, February, they'll get right back to where they were. And cutting, I'm cutting eBay. Um because I have to of the three look and and let me throw this one out there. I almost have cut eBay anyway. Um now they're a necessary evil. I still have to sell cards. I'd love it if there were some story sales or, you know, a way to kind of, you know, completely get rid of it. I sell through Probstein and PWCC and they still sell on eBay. So there's still a platform, you know, so still eBay is still a necessary evil, but I don't do them directly. And I will tell you in the last six months of this year, starting from July first. I sold one card on eBay and it turned into a return. 
It was a PSA 10 card, and it got returned. So I have already cut eBay. Mr. Scott DeFaselle asks... I love that's Goodfellas Cards, right? That's his account, Goodfellas Cards? Is that him? It's hard to know because he's messaging us from his uh, his personal account, not his card account. So, But it's Scott DeFaselle. Oh, Scott DeFaselle, different guy. Okay. Prism gets tons of attention today. What card product brand from the 80s, 90s, or 2000s deserves more attention? And don't say jambalaya because you're hungry and you haven't had your happy meal yet. <laughs> that's Scott DeFaselle. So what card from the 90s deserves more attention? Is that what I mean? Brand, product or brand? Product or brand from the 90s. From what? What do you say? Release. Release from the 90s. Hmm. Deserves more attention. So earlier he said beam team. Should I go by 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 sport? Right? So I'll go by sport. So in 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 baseball, I love I've sold all of my cards and I'll regret that one day because I I did believe that it, it, it was gonna get hobby love and it didn't. I love the 1993 finest baseball set. Okay. I believe that set is a groundbreaking set. It was the first super premium set. It was the first pack of cards I couldn't afford as a kid. Um, the, what it fell victim to was there were no real good rookies in it. You know, Mike Piazza was a decent card, but ni- by 93, he wasn't really a rookie anymore. He had rookie cards in 92. That 93 year didn't really have much in the way of rookies. If you guys don't know this, 1993 Finest, it's Top's Finest Baseball. That was the first Finest set that came out. There was a crappy little football set, like Football's Finest, that came out as like a 50-card set, but not in packs. Um, this was the first, like, chromey ref- – it was the first refractor ever. So it was the genesis of the Prism Silver, the Top's Chrome Refractor. It is the grandfather of all of them. It's the first one. Um, and while people love the artistry and the artwork of the um, like precious metal gems, where there's you know 100 or 150 of them, and the greens, the first 10, that 1993 finest set for baseball, I mean that's it's a beast of a set. They're not numbered refractors, but the print run on it, if, don't hold me to this, man. But memory serves as a 241 refractors for each card, is is what has been calculated on them. And I mean, I had a Griffey PSA 10 and it, it sold, it sold for a lot of money. Um, the, the problem in it is that there's just no rookies to chase in the set, but I love the set because it's, it's the beginning of all of it. It's the beginning of everything, right? It's the beginning of silvers refractors. It's the beginning of that super premium, chromey, shiny type of set. Um, and it doesn't really get the, the do in the hobby that it should. Um, the green all-star set is a really good looking, um, you know, set of cards, and uh, I was thinking about building that set, but there's a couple reasons why you can't. Number one, there are no PSA 10 sets in existence because Bernie Williams does not have a PSA 10 out there. There's never been a PSA 10 Bernie Williams 93 refractor graded in PSA 10. Also, the Nolan Ryan card in PSA 10 is, is easily a five-figure card. If anybody has a Nolan Ryan, listening to this, and anybody has a Nolan Ryan PSA 10 refractor from 93 Finest, message me. I will buy it. <laughs> That's a cool card. So that's for baseball. I mean, basketball, The the once they did basketball finest, you know, the Jordan Refractor is a pretty cool card and, you know, the set's pretty cool, but it's just a weird design. It's not as clean, not as clean lines as the baseball one was. Um, for basketball, I loved Fleer Ultra and the inserts that were in it. I loved Fleer cards and the inserts that were in that. There were really cool inserts, rare inserts of Jordan and, and others. Uh, Black Border Total D 
a really cool insert. 93 Fleer. Um, Fleer Team Leaders is a blue one. They're, they had really difficult borders on the card. You know, they chipped and stuff. They were in either like Fleer Jumbo Packs or Rack Packs. Uh, Fleer Ultra Scoring Kings. We talked about that. You know, that's one of my favorite. Um, but yeah, I mean, those basketball releases for Fleer. Um, and I'm trying to think. So I did a I did a baseball. I did a basketball. Should I should I try to look the football release? I don't know. The the ninety three finest football is actually pretty clean too. It's blue. Score. The score. Yeah. The Larry Sanders score. Yeah, that's in the eighties. It's an eighty nine score. Yes, I'm nineties. I guess it's close enough, right? Eighty nine. But yeah, I love that eighty nine score set. By the way, that is the closest thing in football cards to like the eighty six clear set. When that that set has quote unquote rookie cards of. Barry Sanders, Troy Aikman, Chris Carter, Deion Sanders, uh, Michael Irvin. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty more. I'm leaving out a bunch. Yeah, what's up, buddy? I have a uh, question for the website. What website? Uh, the one that you're making, Lucas Tiger and Ron. Oh, website? we're making a website. Yes, that's true. Uh, add your videos, like your video. Oh, uh, we should put our videos now? like this. We should put up like so. Our 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 videos of the audio. So we only put. The- you want you want them to see Andrew, handsome Andrew? Is that why? No, I want them to see it like even the guests, like they can see the guests. So it's like a behind Jordan. the scenes for them. Yes, yeah, like okay. behind the scenes. All right, we'll, we'll think of that, dude. It's a good idea. You think our you think our I, listeners? The website. It's actually a statement for how to make it. I love this kid. That's my that's, idea. That's your idea. <laughs> Question: Cage SGC ten or a BGS nine five? Same card. SGC ten black label or gold label? Black. Uh, BGS 9.5 is all all gem. Is it all 9.5s? Or is it a yep. you know, min gem? Quad I think I'm going to go. Yeah, quad 9.5s. Exactly, buddy. Thank you. Seven years old. I love it. Yes, I think I'm going to go with the quad 9.5s. Um, SGC, SGC 9, PSA 8, or BGS 8. I don't want any of those, to be honest. <laughs> so, but I guess if I had to pick. Cage is a, uh, is a PSA 10 slot. I no, sorry, sorry. I, I am. Um, so what do we say? Did you say PSA eight, BGS eight and a half, SGC nine? I'm gonna go with the SGC nine and cross my fingers, then I crack it out of there and get lucky and get a PSA nine when I resub it. That's there's <laughs> my answer. I have nothing to really go on. I love it. One more question from our very own Mr. Preston Amato. Uh Beautiful photos, by the way. The snowstorm out east. Yep. You guys are lucky. I was kind of jealous. I was feeling a little bit of a snowstorm day, you know, kind of when you're lazy. It doesn't matter what you eat. Just sleep all day on Netflix. Um, do you think that many different products that the sports car companies continue to roll out and dilute the value will – let me rephrase that. Do you think that the many different products that sport card companies continue to roll out will dilute the value – of their flagship products. For example, Panini one in one RC patch, diluting uh, Prism and Flawless and National Treasures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually was talking about this in one of our groups today and I use the word dilution. So that, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I think it's not just not the Flawless or, or, or the, the products you mentioned, I do believe that um, Panini is in the business of making money. I'm going to use them as an example, right? I believe they are in the business of, of making money and they are going to produce products to meet the demand that, to meet the demand that's out there, right? They will push the supply to meet the demand. And right now it doesn't matter what they sell. People are buying it. 
People are buying it. They don't have a responsibility to create a cheaper product. They don't have a responsibility to get a product in the hands of us cheaper. If they want to sell it straight to breakers or straight to blowout or straight to distributors or whatever it is, they have a, a duty to, to sell their cards and make money. Um, the problem that I have with it is this, and I'm not saying we're in a bubble. I'm not saying we're, you know, the whole thing is going to come crashing down. Please don't read that into this. But I remember when it was, it was just tops, right? I remember when it was just tops and then, you know, 89, it expanded to five sets. You had upper deck and um, score and Fleer and Donruss and tops. You had um, in the nineties, each one of these brands started to come out with their own stuff. They come out with, you know, different versions, Bowman, all these fun things. Right. So I do believe that eventually there will come a point in time where people will start to look at some of these products. It, it piggybacks almost on that hoops question that we got asked. And the prices are just not going to be there because, you know, you can't collect 185 different Zion cards. You just can't, right? You have to pick one that is the, the go-to and, um, and go with it. And not to mention the fact that Panini is going to have 15 releases that are out there. Um, they're going to have 15 releases and then each card's going to ha- each release is going to have 25 different versions of the card. It's got the purple. It's got the optic. It's got, I mean, it's got the velocity. It's got the orange dice. It's got the crack dice. It's got the the shock wave. It's got the clear with the blue. It's got the choice. It's got the, all these friggin', you know, uh, variations of the cards. Where you wind up where you you, I think dilution is the right word, right? Um, we had a conversation about mosaic with uh, with Aaron from Slab Stocks, right? I personally don't like mosaic. I don't. I don't. I think. I think if people are expecting to invest in mosaic, and it be a long term hold. I think they're going to be sorely mistaken. I think they're going to wind up seeing that those cards are not ones that hold long-term value. Now, the right card in Mosaic, the Genesis cards, right? I think they will hold value. Just like I think the Galactic cards from a product like Revolution will hold value. Um, so anyway, yes, I'm, a, I'm fearful of the dilution in the product. The thing that scares me the most and what's different this time around is the licensing issue, right? So what made the 90s cool was product had to be accessible because Fleer was its own company. Dunruss was its own company. Donruss was its own company, right? Upper Deck was its own company. Tops was its own company. So when Shaq came out in 1992, right, and you had a Fleer set in the store, and you had a Dunruss set in the store, and you had all these sets come out, right, they had to, one, give a quality product and give, you know, something that people wanted to buy, but two, they had to put it at a price point where if Fleer came out and made their price of their product too expensive, you just bought Skybox, you just bought hoops, you know. You just bought Stadium Club. You bought the Tops base card. You bought something else. They had a competition. There is no competition now because the way that it's structured is the league has a contract with one company. So Tops is not even making basketball cards. There are no other companies making basketball cards. Panini has the sole license to it, so they have nobody competing with them to kind of you know bring the price down. And you know there is competition. There is you know. If you go to baseball, the tops products are not that expensive. But you, just for 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 fun, guys, when you when you um, listen to this, head on over after you're done listening to our episode and look at the um, look at the Panini website or go on eBay. Look at Panini. Look at what National Treasures boxes like. That's like the top flight product, right? That's the most expensive product that that baseball that that basketball has. Panini has. Um, look at the flawless products. That's like a high-end product. 
look at the prices for boxes for baseball. It's the same cards. Right? It's the same cool cards. It's the same on-card autos. You can get your Mike Trout. You can get your rookies, Louis Robert, Louis Robert, and you get your Tatis. Look at the price of boxes and compare what a baseball box goes for as opposed to what the basketball box goes for. Right? It's significantly less. They're talking a fraction of the price. The cards look exactly the same. They're beautiful cards. They still have the autographs. They're still great cards. Um, but Panini's able to make those cards for significantly less money than what they're charging you for on basketball. Um, the difference is they're not licensed and they're competing with tops in that space. So they're a- you're able to get those cards, which are really nice looking, and they're not going to cost you $8,000 for a box. So there's a way to do it. I think a lot of it has to do with competition. I don't know whether or not you know, that's ever going to change. But it does scare me that Panini is basically able to go out there and print whatever they want and, and, and have no real competition in the space. U.S. government's been doing that. No one seems to care. What, just printing money? You, should we talk a little <laughs> bit about crypto and Bitcoin? You like to, so go right ahead. You know, if, if, if you want to talk about Bitcoin, um, yeah, I'll go ahead. Because it, you know what? I, I do like when you talk about it uh, only because it reminds me that when there are prices out there for these cards and you see people spending twenty five, $50,000 for these cards, you have to remember that there's a lot more money out there right now than there was a year or two or three ago. There are people making money in a lot of things, and some people are making a lot of money in Bitcoin. So talk about that. Cage, 100K when you were growing up, what could you buy for that? Just give me one example. Uh, in my parents' divorce, they sold their, my, my childhood home for not much more than that. So there's an example. You could buy a decent three-bedroom house where I grew up for not much more than that. That, that was when I, when I was a kid. In Brooklyn. Now that same house is six fifty. About 600000 yeah. So the thing is, what I've learned about money and finance is simple things end up confusing people. And if if you guys realize the history of money, where it started from was, and this is how I think of it, and let's go back and forth here. So feel free to jump in, but it's just an exchange of value. So like back in the day before there was money, it was, I would, I would make, I would grow corn. You would have pepper. And we would trade. Can you hear me okay? 100%. I want the corn. I'm more of a corn guy, but go ahead. But how much pepper can you trade for my corn? Yeah. It depends. It's difficult to quantify. So they needed a store of value. They needed a form of exchange. They started coming up with coins, gold coins, silver coins. And, you know, I would buy the pepper off you using my gold and silver and bronze coins. And I would exchange them, right? Then I would go and buy the corn. So that was the origination of money. Make sense so far? So far. Cool. And that was the beginning of time. I'll call it the beginning of modern time. And if you guys want to go look this up, this is where um, the Silk Road and a lot of trade happened. Ooh, the Silk Road. And they had different languages. That's right. So, you know, and everybody spoke a different language. The first real alphabet was actually created by the Phoenicians. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're reading today and, you know, all that is so, you know, thank a Phoenician. And if anybody out there can tell me what Disney ride that's from thank the phoenicians there is a free card coming to you so go ahead and message us but go ahead i'm sorry i don't want i don't want to divert you man we got the history of the world by mel brooks going on here i'm excited <laughs> then countries then we then expansion world expansion began and there used there there became these borders these artificial borders of sorts but there were borders right there was europe then there was the uk there was france there was italy there was the us and all of these countries were like wait a second 
I don't want to just trade in gold. I want to have my own currency, right? My currency is better than their currency. So they started printing their own money. Okay. But, but people were like, wait, what, what is this? Why would I trade my gold for your money? They're like, okay, well, well, let's peg it. Let's tie it back into those gold coins. So my dollar from the UK is worth one thousandth of a coin, for example. And they pegged it and the money started to move. Now, why do I say all that? The internet is just another country. It's just another territory that human beings are conquering. And Bitcoin and Ethereum are virtual currencies. They're currencies just like the US, when we had the Revolutionary War, we won this territory, became a nation, we made our own money, we put our presidents on it. The internet is the same thing. The internet is its own real estate and it needed its own currency. Now, when Bitcoin first started in 2008, it was very young, it was very raw, it was very unproven. And you saw this volatility and you still see it now at some point, but why do I think Bitcoin is different now and Ethereum is different now than ever? Uh, and Cage, I've taught this to you uh, maybe a few weeks ago when I, when I made K uh, Bitcoin a buy of sorts. I just said it was a good investment to you. Uh, and I think I've mentioned it before to our, our people. Bitcoin yeah, you, ago, you, you told me to buy it when it was around $11,000. It's doubled since. <laughs> Here's the biggest difference from Bitcoin in 2013, 2017 and now. Just like when you form a new country, you, you start having cities, right? And how do you connect cities, Cage? Roads. Roads, highways, and tolls, right? Mm -hmm. Roads, highways, and tolls. So you know how you always hear about internet infrastructure? Yes. Inter internet infrastructure is roads, highways, and tolls. It's no different. So when you talk about the maturity of blockchain, the maturity of cryptocurrency, before a, an industry can mature, you need roads, bridges, tunnels, and poles to control the flow of traffic, to make sure that things are legitimate, to sh make sure that the people buying and selling and trading Bitcoin and Ethereum are legitimate and verified. That's what tolls do. That's what roads do. Now, does that make sense, Cage? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm getting slightly bored. But, but this is an investment podcast, no? Sort of, I guess. But uh, so, so give me what, you, what are you telling people to do? You're telling people they should buy some Bitcoin? Well, first, I hope they understand it because it's actually a lot simpler to understand than I think the general media makes it out to be. So first, I'd ask them to understand it. I, I do believe that at 23, just like the Jordan Fleer at 40,000 or the Charizard first edition at, what was it? 80,000 earlier this year, you know, most people scoff at it. It's like it's hit some highs. It's not going to go higher. I think that Bitcoin is just starting. I think Ethereum is just starting. I think Ethereum is actually a better buy than Bitcoin uh, for a variety of reasons. Just if you could take a look at the, the high price of Bitcoin versus the high price of Ethereum. But I just think it's time for people to get educated on what crypto and blockchain is. I like it. I'm going to research myself just because I'm woefully under, um, you know, informed on it. And clearly it's an, it's an asset class that, uh, you know, people are making money in. I'll just listen without getting too crazy into Bitcoin. I, I, I you know, Andrew went through this stuff for a reason, guys. It's, um, there's a lot of money 
There's a lot of money coming into our hobby. There's a lot of people making money. I read an article today about a guy who uh, called himself a Tesla-nair. A Tesla-nair, is that the way they brought it? Right? So the guy's 32 years old, and in 2017, he believed in what Elon Musk was tweeting out and talking about so much that he took his entire life savings, about $10,000, put it into Tesla stock. And the value of it today is approaching a million dollars. That's absurd. But there are stories like this all over the place, right? There's stories all over the place of people who are making money, um, young kids making money, and then going and buying Pokemon cards with it. So, um, you know, there are people making money every day. Bitcoins, people making money every day in all walks of life. Um, get your cards up on eBay. And maybe one of these Tesla-lionaires or maybe these Bitcoin, uh, you know, folks will offer you more than you thought for your card, right? Okay. Okay, yep. just think about it. How many people scoff at cards? Yep, a lot of them. Why do we scoff at investments instead of just learning about them and getting curious? doesn't mean you have to dump all your money in it. It doesn't even mean you have to dump any of it. I just find it so fascinating how we, we get so ingrained in one thing and then we scoff at other things that are yep. so similar. Like we are like sports cards are the next thing, but crypto is so weird. I don't get it. It's, it's like for money laundering. First, it's it's the same thing. It's an exchange of value. It's an asset class. It's a place to put some money. That, well, listen, it it's funny that you say that it's they're they're not that far apart. And I know Panini has blockchain cards, right? I don't understand them. I tried to learn about them. I tried to research what they are. And I know that if you go right on their site, there's a whole pull down in the menu about Panini blockchain cards. I don't think you actually get the physical card. I think it's just you know uh, you know like. Uh, I, I'd love to speak with authority on it, but I, I don't understand it. But you bring up a really good point, right? And I'll I think give what this I, question. I'll actually leave it. Every tra every transaction right now that we do is you send money to PayPal. PayPal's the intermediary. I get the card, and PayPal brokers or make sure that the transaction is legitimate, right? Yes. Is it possible, and how would it work for for there to be no intermediary? Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're, what you're saying here is that blockchain is what makes that possible. Um, right. Last question from Drake, and then we'll wrap, okay? Yeah, please. I love Drake. Drake yeah. always has great questions. He really does, and they're very thoughtful, and I, I, I really appreciate it. What are your and Andrew's favorite card play you've given out this year, and what is one you wish you could have back? Ooh, wow. That's a tough one right there. Um, you, you know yours right off the bat? I mean, yep. you, yeah, so go ahead and give me a chance to think. Kobe rookies, Kobe RCs, the tops and the Fleer Ultra. Uh, the tops ungraded is just a moneymaker and a half. It's insane. Um, at the beginning of this year, after Kobe passed, I bought maybe 20 RCs at different times, ranging from 100 to 150 to 200. And at worst, I got a few PSA 8s. I got one PSA 6. I got quite a few BGS 9.5s. I got one PSA 10. So the Tops 138 was one of my favorite plays. And then the Fleer Ultra PSA 10, I think is maybe one of the most iconic cards Kobe's ever going to have. It has a pop of 300 PSA 10s. So those are my two favorite plays. You thought I was, was going to say Tyler Hero. I thought you could definitely say Tyler Hero. So I'm going to go, let's see. So my favorite and one I want to have back, right? So one, one I want to have back, this to me, it's an easy one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it again. I think early on in the season, I gave Gavin Lux as a play, um, just buying his base cards for a couple of bucks. You had a question. And, 
What'd you say? Nothing. I do. I like Gavin Lux, and I'm I'm going to be picking him again. And I bought his cards, and everything made sense, right? He was going to be a middle infielder for a team that had national exposure in a short season, that had the best team out there on it, and he was going to be playing meaningful games, televised, and on a team that I thought was going to win the World Series. All that shit came true. The Dodgers won the World Series, you know? The only problem is he wasn't that middle infield that was getting all the play. Seager was, right? The guy who won the MVP. Um, and for whatever reason, Lux did not, you know, he did not play. I don't know if he was injured. I don't know what the story but he, they didn't give him the run. He's been in, he's been mentioned in some trade talks. Um, I heard his name come up in, in a Francisco Lindor trade talk. Um, eventually, he's going to come up and he's going to play. But that's one that I'd like to have back because that was a play that, while the cards really haven't gone down, he did not get the opportunity that I thought he was going to get in last year's um, in last year's you know um, baseball season. Um, my favorite play. Whew, I love that I went to my winner and you went to your losers. Well, because he asked for one I break. That's not who I am. No, but you you one I'd like to have back. I mean, I don't I. Everything was right there. All the thought process was right. The Dodgers were – I was spot on about the opportunities that he were going to get. But I, I guess I don't control whether or not the Dodgers are going to play games and keep the guy down or you know whether or not uh, – I mean, I, I, a play I'd like that back. I'd, I'd like to have the call back that I think the Cowboys were going to go 10-6 and six this year and win the NFC uh, East. How about that one? I'd like to take that one back. What do you think? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I know you love that, man. You know, how many times have I ever that? My favorite play – I mean, there are so many of them, and I'd love to get – listen, so many of those plays came Gee. out. Yeah. Tatis. Tatis was a huge pick, by the way. I mean, I was on Tatis before we started. He didn't even let me get – he would have been my episode one. He would have been my, 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 my play like your hero. I would have given him five times in the first oh, ten. Try to sneak in a bonus play at the end after yeah. you gave play, and I cut it. Yeah, it's true. You did. Um, but, no, I mean, it doesn't have to be the biggest money play. There are cards out there. I did like a love shack baby, right? There are cards out there that to me are still underpriced and you've given Shaq as a play. I've given Shaq as a play. I told, you know, a group of, you know, like an Instagram group that we're members of that I was going to start to buy Shaq's 1992 upper deck number one card, not the trade card, the actual card number one. And I started buying them at like 500, $550 each uh, about a year and a half ago. And I bought every one of them that I could find up to a thousand dollars. Right. And I just kept buying them and the card continued to go up and, you know, 2,500, 3,000. I think there's a couple of them on eBay right now, probably 2,900 maybe. Um, that card, I think when I started buying them had a pop of like 302 or 310. I think it's a 318 now. It's a hard card to grade 10. People are still trying to grade them. It's a, it's a card that's the population is never really going to go up that much. It's always going to be 300, low 300s, below 350. And when you compare that card to some of the population that's out there, um, you know, right now of all of these young guys, um, it's it's a card that I just did. I just think it's going to go up. I, I like that pick a lot. I like the card a lot. Um, you know, I hope there are people out there who bought that card. And when you think of like a Kobe, I know Kobe is iconic and Kobe is, you know, there's a lot of Kobe fans, but you think of like people paying $10,000 for a Kobe 96 Chrome and the Shaq who was, you know, just came out in the top 10 of NBA players also is $3,000 or less. You know, when, when, when people are paying for a card, the Michael Jordan 86 Fair, and I'm no Jordan and Jack are not the same person. Obviously, we get that. But I think 
as we sit here right now, they probably have, a, they might have the exact same pop that card, right? It might be exact same population, just over 300 of each of those cards. And the Jordan is selling for $200,000 and the Shaq is 2,500 to 3,000. To me, that's a, you know, that's, that, that doesn't make much sense, especially for somebody like Shaq, who is still significantly relevant. You know what I mean? It, you know, he's still in the, uh, he's still in the culture. So I, I like that. Twice. It, you've Shaq a bunch of times. And, and I've been wrong about both of them, but I don't take that shit back. No, I, I agree. I, I give the, I give the pick. I think, by the way, I think every Shaq play you made will go up. Maybe they won't five X in the next two months. But I think they're all going to go up. I think the Shaq play I gave, I gave, I gave it. I don't know, it was two thousand dollars at the time. I see that card as a ten thousand dollar card. It might not happen in the next six months, but I think you know that that that's what that card is going to be. You know, when you see Charles Barkley's '86 Fleer selling for ten thousand dollars, and I see Elijah on '86 Fleer selling for ten thousand dollars, it's just I I expect Shaq to be in that same territory. Um, you, you might be right. My interpretation of it is the hobby is spoken, and centers are not appreciated. It's true, but the hobby spoken for right now, yep. and that may change. That that, that may change. Um, you know, it has changed before. I will tell you, when I collected in the early '90s, it was all about centers. There were inserts called like, um, you know, Big Ben, you know, Towers of Power. That's a cool night. That's a cool Fleer insert. I'm so a Fleer insert, but the Tower of Power, and it was dedicated to center. You have a Tower of Power. Who do you have? Robert Parrish, Robert Chief from the Celtics. Exactly, he was one of the guys in it. I mean, the game was different then, and they ran it around the post. But it was Elijah Juan, Ewan, David Robinson. Um, you know, Robert Parrish was one of the centers also. Um, you know, you had these – the centers were the key, man, Alonzo Mourning. Um, and that could change again. Who knows? Who knows what happens? Um, but we shall see. But, that you know, that's a pick that I like, and it's a pick that I still like. Um, great question, Drake. I like it, man. I love thinking about it because we've been we had 160-something episodes here. All these picks. Luke Got anything else? Thank you guys so much from the bottom of our heart. Thank you for all the support. We are more than grateful. Yo, we, we love you guys. And um, when are you doing your Kobe giveaway? Tonight. Nice. I'm so gonna come tonight, I'm going to actually – I'm going to randomize it. Okay. Um, and announce it tomorrow. All right, cool. That's awesome. So, guys, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Um, and if you uh, if you want to jump into Instagram groups, we added a couple of people today. Um, you know, we got room in those groups for you. And um, you know, we anticipate announcing some some big news for you early next week, right, Andrew? Let me read something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big news, big news. <laughs> Go ahead. What are you reading? Drew Zornado. Drew. I'm with you, and I have to read this out because I was in this boat maybe 11 months ago. He said he submitted in our group sub. Yes. I normally would never send somebody 50 cards I don't know, but you assured me everything was legit. Thanks, and please calm my anxiety. Now, Drew, I know you're not the only one. I felt like this when I submitted my first group sub. Know that you're in good hands, brother. And I wanted to take a a moment here because I know you're not the only one who thought that. I thought that as well. When I sent like my prized cards out to get graded to someone I didn't know, I was like, man, I'm ever going to see these again. I'm super worried. You know, are they going to take good care of them? We're going to take care of them, brother. We're going to take care of them as if they're your, they're our own. Um, and we appreciate you putting your trust in us. Love okay. it. Love it. Thank you, Luca Nation. Talk to you guys soon. 
thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.